0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Pod on the Time, brought to you by The Athletic, a podcast all about Newcastle United. My name is Taylor Payne, I am your hostess with the mostess, and I'm welcoming you today alongside uh, Mr. George Coggan. George, how
1: are you? I'm okay, thank you. Lovely to hear your voice. Thank you, yes. It is 2053 and we are still waiting for the takeover to go ahead. <laughs> I'm now You've buried, buried your cans in the back garden oh, <laughs> My cans, cans are, are fossilised
0: <laughs> Hoping they'll be dug up in the future by historians Excellent, Chris, Chris Waff, Sergeant Waffles, Sausage Slayer is on the line How are you doing, Chris? I'm not too bad, thank you It was actually
2: bacon sandwich I had today So I went off the sausages onto bacon for the day And it was lovely, bacon and egg sandwich for lunch lovely. Ooh,
1: how's the bacon, did you say?
0: How's the <laughs>
2: bacon, while,
1: Chris? It's yeah. a while since we've done that it.
2: Yeah, that feels like about three years ago.
0: Yeah. What kind of bacon was it, Chris? Are you a smoked man or are you an unsmoked man? Oh, uh, Smoked bacon, definitely, for me. What, yeah. a, what a correct answer that is. Well done. Yes.
1: And brown sauce or red sauce?
2: Uh, I didn't have any sauce. I, had the, I just had the egg on it today. So the oh, eggs Piss
1: off, of the Chris. Water. Piss Jeez. off. Just piss off. <laughs> it's always something with him.
0: You, you snatched defeat from the jaws of victory there, Chris. I have to be honest. You were so close. Oh well, not to worry. And also joining us today, he's been on the podcast before, special guest from True Faith and also from the NUFC uh, Fans Trust, it is Mr. Alex
3: Hurst. How are you doing, Alex? Good, thanks. Taylor, obviously didn't didn't bollocks up too badly last time because you asked me back.
0: <laughs> Just as you started talking there, I could hear somebody pouring coffee or pouring something into a glass and it sounded like I caught you in the middle of having a piss, but I don't think that's what it was. <laughs>
3: Wasn't me, coffee-free <laughs> house.
1: Yeah, I saw. Um, we, we will discuss how I uh, saw Alex last night, but um, but I did, and he, he. You have a wonderful sort of castaway-esque lockdown beard. You are full sort of Tom Hanks three years into your island. Brilliant, uh, it does look Fantastic. magnificent, wild and untamed.
3: Have we got a Grizzly Adams thing going on, Alex? Yeah, my, my wife likes it that way. She's in charge, so. Oh, brilliant! Okay. I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite worried that, uh, that I'll not be allowed to go back to normal after lockdown in more ways than one.
1: <laughs> it's the new normal, though, isn't it? That's what we have to say. and yeah. This is this is the new normal. You're you're very hairy, and <laughs> just the rest of us are just just constantly angry. Chris has stopped putting sauce on sandwiches. My God, oh, what a steak. Chris, honestly, honestly.
0: Right, OK. Anyway, chaps, we've got lots to get through today. We're going to have a chat about lots of different stuff. There was the, uh, the digital town hall thing that, George, you were involved in last night. We're going to have a bit of a chat about that. We'll have a little bit of takeover update stuff as well. And we're going to look forward to uh, football potentially coming back in the not-too-distant future, fingers crossed, and how that might look. Um, let's start uh, with the takeover stuff. George, um, can you give me any kind of a, an update on where things are at the minute and how things stand?
1: Oh, you sound just like Twitter. Got one this morning saying any. I got one this morning at 7:30 saying any update. It was like, well, I've just been to sleep for eight hours. I mean, seriously, there's. I can't. What? what No, I'm kidding. I mean, we're all we're all in that state where it's uh, so frustrating. It's dragging dragging on interminably. It feels like. But you know, the thing to say is that it's a process which is supposed to be exhaustive. It's supposed to be serious and it's supposed to be done properly. And that's what's happening. So um the latest the latest information that i was told um from the buying side is that their latest <clears throat> their latest t- time frame will be next week or might be next week but you know there's also just that realization that it it will you know it'll absolutely take as long as it has to take the guideline that they were given at the start with you know it could take between 2 and 4 weeks up to 4 weeks they were told but again there's no deadline with that. That's not a definitive uh, deadline. There's no deadlines to any of this, and it's just a guide. And so, you know, all of us we just have to um, we have to respect that, much as we might not like it. And um, you know, try not to be thinking about this all the time because it does just drive you absolutely bonkers. So, but uh, you know, in terms of the overall feeling and mood nothing has changed everyone's very positive uh, and you know people behind the scenes are carrying on doing all the stuff that they would be doing as if it's going ahead so no one has said to me that there are any you know doubts in their mind about that happening at the end of it all mm. um, there's a lot of noise whether on social media and that's partly partially born from all of our you know concerns and and sort of you know frustrations i think um, I'm t- taking a step back from that and ignoring all that thing. I mean, I know there's talk about exclusivity and other things like that. As far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm aware, that's irrelevant now that a deal has been signed because it's everything's been signed off apart from this regulatory approval and then the money changing hands. So I'm kind of ignoring all the rest of that. Good.
0: I think that's probably the best way to uh, to approach it, isn't it? Did anybody see the poll on, on Twitter yesterday? By the way, I have to mention this, George. I'm sorry, I don't want to embarrass you, but I have to mention the poll um, I mean, you that do. went out. And, and Yeah, I will. I will embarrass you. But um, there was a poll that went out which said, where do you get your NUFC takeover information from? Who was your most trusted source? Uh, and George won the poll um, quite, quite well, I believe. Uh, quite second well. to George, quite well. Quite wonderfully. Second to George was uh, Monty Magpie, the uh, the Newcastle <laughs> mascot. The third behind him was Brian Johnson, the lead singer out of ACDC, um, and beaten uh, into fourth place Sergeant Chris Waff- Waffles. Uh, I think that was the poll anyway. I might not have had a proper look at it. I, I believe they were the names involved. How do you feel about that, George? Are you happy with that? Uh,
1: I tri- Triumphant. Um, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I just feel, I feel incredibly guilty. And... Um, it does remind me of something that my sixth form teacher said to my parents um at school as a parents' evening at, at school. Kind of my whole life was crumbling. I'd discovered girls, I discovered alcohol, I discovered rock and roll. This was of course the late nineteen fifties. Um <laughs> and um and and the head of God damn that rock and roll I I'd I'd stopped working or I'd stop, you know. I just kind of thought I could just rely on my natural intelligence to get me through exams, which proved to be a disastrous miscalculation when I failed my levels. But before then, my sixth form uh, teacher, head of sixth form teacher, said to my parents, "The thing about George is he's very plausible." And I've cl- <laughs> they came back thinking hmm, that's slightly concerning. Um, but I've clung on to that for my entire life. Plausibility can get you a long way as that proves. I can, all I can do is just apologise to everybody. I'm sorry. <clears throat>
0: that's fantastic. No, that's really good. That should be your, your new motto, George. Plausibility can get you everywhere. Wonderful stuff. How's the bacon, did yeah. you say? Yeah. Uh, so let's have a little chat about the, uh, the Digital Town Hall, uh, which uh, George, you were actually involved in this last night as well. And Chris, you're in the process of writing a piece about this. Is that right?
2: I am yes I watched it for uh, for 2 hours uh, last night which was uh, very interesting actually to see I mean there was three hundred more than three hundred people involved in it. So you just see all these screens coming up with various different sort of backgrounds of uh, some people had some people had cans naturally in the background, others had yeah. uh, so the Tyne Bridge, there were some people who had sort of nice little backgrounds, but then you got to see in everyone's houses so, so conservatories, there was people in, on sort of balconies in various places around the world, people been in from Dubai, from India, from everywhere. So it was it was interesting to see that snapshot, particularly those people who I've interacted with on Twitter but had no idea in terms of what they look like, until I, I saw the inside of the living rooms or whatever it
0: may be last night, so that was
2: interesting. And
1: on, only two or three of them were masturbating, so that was um, that was good news. <laughs> yeah. That was good news for all of us.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's below average, isn't it, for that kind of thing? So that's impressive. I'm, so people. I'm told,
1: yeah, so I'm told.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So, George, what was, the, what was the crack last night then? Do you want to give us a little bit of information about what it was all about and, uh, and, and, and give us a little rundown about what occurred?
1: Yeah, well, for me, um, as host, my only motivation was that I'm coming after you, Taylor.
0: <laughs> that's fine. I don't mind if you want to come after me. That's 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 fine.
1: Bring it on. No, so so the idea I mean so the idea she on Wura, the MP for Newcastle Central and Newcastle fan, someone who's been uh you know, someone who's been a persistent critic of Mike Ashley's running of the club. Her idea, I think I I mean I think if we were in normal uh you know, normal time, perhaps this meeting would have been held at the Labour Club or the Irish Centre, somewhere like that. And really just a an attempt to sort of try and canvas opinion, to to listen as well as to talk and to sort of exchange views. I think one of the things that's been sort of difficult and disheartening about the debates around the, the takeover, which of course we know is a multi-layered thing and a complex thing, has been how sort of aggressive um that com- kind of conversation has been i don't think social media helps in that and you know it's all it's almost felt like that we as people who care about newcastle are sort of coming under attack or that we have to be defensive or that we should be ashamed or guilty all those things that are kind of going around the club and although you know for example here true faith podcast through the supporters trust there are there are ways that we can express opinions it's very difficult to have a sort of conversation it's you know you can't get fifty two thousand people you can't get a hundred thousand people all together in a room and have a kind of conversation but it felt like it felt like a sort of way of doing that and I think she wanted to to sort of listen. she hasn't kind of come out and said what her view is on the takeover but I mean, it, I think it became it became sort of something else. It became a chance for us to talk, to listen, to be what we are, which is good, passionate, engaged people. We care about our club. We care about our city, but we also care about the world we live in. And so, you know, there were people who expressed a view at the start. There were speakers. Uh, Greg from, from the Trust, who obviously Alex knows well, uh, she herself spoke to introduce i kind of made a few introductory comments ian Mearns, the mp for for gateshead you know another uh, couple of newcastle fans spoke and there were also contributions from amnesty um and 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 from people with um you know real deep feelings entrenched opinions about the the, the saudi regime and human rights and then it was open to the to the floor and to Newcastle fans, and you know we listened, and and obviously the overwhelming, the overwhelming mood was uh, very positive positive in, in 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 favor of the takeover, as I think we would all expect. But at the same time, people had doubts, people had questions, and people just wanted to express themselves. I loved it. I thought, you know, my hope, but also my feeling is that um, all of that stuff shone through.
2: We actually have a clip from uh, from Chi as well, just where she explains exactly why she wanted to bring this about and she basically outlines the need to give Newcastle fans a voice. so I think we can just listen to that.
4: We've had 13 years of Mike Ashley owning but not safeguarding the huge cultural icon that is Newcastle United Football Club. Now, I've called on Mr. Ashley to sell the club, as have many fans, and we've all endured many, many failed takeover bids. The fact is only Billionaires can buy a Premier League club. And there's been a lot of talk about this particular bid, what it means for the club, the city, and how that contrasts with the terrible human rights records of Saudi Arabia. Newcastle is a great city that welcomes people from all over the world and stands up for social justice as we see every match day with Newcastle United Supporters Food Bank. Many of those talking about the takeover seem to have no idea about that or what football means to our city, and that's because we haven't really heard from the fans. Yes, you have to be a billionaire to buy Newcastle United, but you shouldn't have to be a billionaire to have your say in the future of the club. And my job is to represent Newcastle in Parliament, and that means representing the views of Newcastle United fans, and to do that. I need to hear what you have to say, so my job right now is to listen.
1: Fantastic stuff! So some interesting points raised there, yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, that's 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 what I want from uh, you know from the from the member of parliament um, whose constituency includes St James's Park, and I, I you know I, I I truly hope you know I truly hope that that what she was looking for uh, came across. I mean, I'd love to hear what Alex. Alex thought we did see Alex. Hence me knowing how big his beard is. Um, but you know what he thought, and and you know from the trust point of view, you know how you feel about this whole process at the moment.
3: Yeah, well, I'll just echo your thoughts first of all, George. Thought it was a, a tremendous event, and you know I think we got a, a call about it last Wednesday. So far, for she and her team to put it together in less than a week um, is a pretty miraculous feat, in my opinion. Uh, so credit to those people. Um, In terms of how we feel about the whole thing, you know, at NUST, we're very member led and we were really keen once uh, the news broke through yourself, mainly, George, um, about this takeover being being real and about it it progressing as it has. We're really keen to get member thoughts on it. And we put a member survey out and and I think nearly, well, just under three and a half thousand members responded and 97% of them were were positive and wanted this takeover to go through so that that kind of tells us everything we need to know about it all we also got a lot of comments from members saying they're delighted the club is being sold but they have some concerns and I think that is a totally normal uh, way to behave there isn't this kind of binary thing in life where you have to be against something you have to be for it you can be excited and worried at the same time um about a lot of things not just football so it's it's Th- From a personal perspective, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that Mike Ashley is leaving the club. It's uh, it's essential. I think that the people who are buying the club for the reported price are getting a bargain. I don't think that's talked about enough. I think that they're buying a football club that and, and a community in a region and a part of the world that is going to thrive alongside them. Uh, and, and people made that point last night and it was great last night Um, to... To get those diverse opinions from 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 a diversity of people, like Chris said, from across the globe, Newcastle United matters so much to so many people in so many different ways that it's all it's almost hard to just present the fans' opinion, isn't it? Because because one fan thinks one thing and one fan thinks something completely different, but also could think very similarly to one person, but with caveats. And I think you, you got a lot of informed you know discussion last night, George. I'd have to blow smoke up your arse a bit and say yeah. You, you hosted it brilliantly. You let people talk and everyone was respectful towards each other. And that's that's the great thing about Newcastle United fans in general. I appreciate Twitter can sometimes be a toxic place, but that's not unique to Newcastle or Newcastle United. That, that's across the whole platform. When actually last night you saw people with wildly different opinions able to put their points across without insulting people, without saying other people were wrong. And it was uh, it warmed the heart, I'll not lie. It was uh, It was a really positive event. And you know, from from a trust point of view, we were very happy because we've gained quite a few new members from it, which is what we always want. Get a little bit of criticism for that. people say you just want new members. Like, yeah, that is the idea of a supporters trust to have members to represent people. If we didn't have any, I would just be I would just be sitting and talking yeah. to myself in a room. But uh so that was really good. And and you know, we've had some yeah. feedback today from some members saying, Would like the trust to take the lead on this or or new members saying, what are you gonna do about tickets who gets tickets to St. James's Park and my answer's always the same and the other board members all the same. It's not up to me. It's not up to us. Yes, we're an no. elected board and we have to represent people best we can. It's up to you. It's up to the members. We we aren't gonna go hopefully to Newcastle United in this new relationship which we're dreaming of. Um you know saying what I think about tickets or what I think about loyalty points yeah. or, or who should get it's not it's not up to me. It's up to the members. It's up to the supporters. And that's that's the beautiful thing about it. And I think last night um you know it was Che's idea and should put the idea to us and it was we're well on board with it and, and, and like George correctly says, you know, a lot of the contributions up front as well were spectacular. Um it's just it, it it almost felt like the a new era um of Newcastle United, Newcastle United supporters, because one of the saddest things about the last thirteen years is how much as a support we've been at each other, how much yeah. vitriol there's been between Newcastle United fans when in fact that that has got us nowhere. Um so to see that kind of respectful tone. From people who have wildly different opinions, last night was really positive.
0: Someone who's who's had his fair amount of uh, of, of Twitter spats over the years with various people. I think what you're saying about the town hall uh, online digital thing is is fantastic. Yeah, I think it's we lose a lot of the nuance in the discussion when it comes to Twitter uh, and you are limited with characters and stuff like that. And I think, well, there are a lot of limited characters on Twitter. We've used that joke in the past, but that's very true. Um, but I think we uh, we forget, don't we? We forget that we're human beings and that we have different things that, that make us feel emotional. And Newcastle United is, to a lot of people, a very emotional subject, isn't it? And being able to get those people all together and actually hear from them properly uh, in a in a forum like that, which is moderated and people can actually join in and and, and give their opinions in a respectful uh, uh, situation. I think that's a fantastic thing, and I think we need to see more of that as Newcastle fans as well. And maybe something like that could be could be something you could think about with the trust going forward, Alex. I mean, I don't know if that's something you could do with members in the future or or something like that. Is that something that you would think about?
3: Oh, de- definitely. It was a real education last night. I mean, lockdown has brought uh, Zoom into all of our lives, hasn't it? In different ways. <laughs> yeah. So we're kind of. Learning about these things as we go along, but yeah, it's 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 one of the big things that the trust is. You know, hopefully, as our membership grows, it, you know, it, it it's a challenge for for us to make sure that, that no one's left behind and, and everyone gets a say. So stuff like that was spot on. I think it's a great idea, Taylor.
2: I mean, for for me, I mean, I was I was watching it. I wasn't actually I wasn't actually pop, but it, it, I didn't really know what to expect before I, I was watching it. And w- what really reassured me is as I think everyone else is sort of hinting at it, is that it. This, this sort of idea that's gone round that, that Newcastle fans aren't going to be considering all of the nuance to this and the fact that oh, they they aren't educated on this. Well, most people seem to, to want to enter the debate, or at least talk about all the issues that are going around it. Fundamentally, though, they are football fans, and what unites them all is that they want Newcastle United to do well. And there there is a difference there between between the different points, and it's it's both a local matter and it's a, it, it's a global matter in that sense. But for, in terms of fundamentally, what they want is for Newcastle United to do well. And there was there was views all across the board. The vast majority. We were in favour. I think there was only two of 33 who made it clear that they were against the takeover. The rest were all pro-takeover, although most just about all of them contextualised it in some way. And, and again, you get this idea that, that no matter what's being said elsewhere this this isn't as black and white a debate and that's not meant to be a pun. This isn't, this isn't as clear as that. Everyone realises that there is a grey area here, but the majority just want Mike Ashley to go. And I think we can hear from from one on either side of the debate from last night where Brian Swanson, who was pretty against the takeover, and then also Neil Mitchell, who he was he was pretty pro takeover
1: in my opinion bin Salman is not fit and proper person to own our great football club or any other one for that matter as they say he's been accused of many human rights abuses um, and of course the incident in uh, the Saudi consulate in Istanbul is well known now to everyone I would have thought this guy with this reputation wouldn't be the sort of man Geordie's would want to own their great football club I understand um, the long-held wish the fans have to see the end of Mike Ashley for the club to sort out finances that enable them to compete for the best players and thereby challenge for the top competitions, but this is not the way to do it. Ben Salman makes Mike Ashley look like Captain Tom.
5: Football fans aren't here to solve the world. We're here to support our football club and a lot of us use that 90 minutes on a Saturday to get away from the world for a little bit. But that doesn't mean we should be ignorant of the wider world. And I think what I'm very proud of this evening is that this forum has demonstrated the, the depth of knowledge, the passion and the intelligence in the fan base, I'm not frightened to ask the right questions. And I think that's something it's almost been insinuated by certain parts that have knocked us down rather during the Ashley years for asking questions. And we're now being told to rise up and ask questions. Well we ask questions, ask everyone are going back to Westwood and, and and forward. I'm excited at the prospect for the region, for the club not just regionally, but globally. There are so many opportunities there with the kind of investment we're talking about. But with that comes something we must be acutely aware of as a fan base, in my opinion, and that's the geopolitical situation that we have going on that the club will inevitably be dragged into and the fans will inevitably be dragged into. And the only way we can get across to the wider world that we're engaging with everybody
1: is to do it in a calm and measured fashion, such as this evening two opinions there which are, you know, which are pretty opposed uh, in their starting points. But um, the fact that the fact that we had that conversation, the fact that everyone listened to each other, you know, you can't come away with a solution, but it is that reminder that, okay, the way it's been portrayed, I think, I think the way this is, is that the takeover is wrong and that's the only position you can possibly have or the takeover, you know, bring it on, cans, let's all celebrate, you know, and it's it's the best thing ever. And actually, for a lot of people, there is there is middle ground and there is a grey area. And because you know, people aren't like that. People are full of, you know. I I personally I feel both excited about it at the same time, and I have reservations at the same time. And f- for for a lot of people, that's how it is. It isn't just this issue that you can that you can look at in isolation. You or if you do you run the risk of sort of ignoring everything else that's happening in the world at the same time. But the the thing that I was going to say, the thing I was going to say before was it does remind me of just how sort of pathetic and limited the communication has been with the football club or between the football club and its fans. And... You know, if you go back to the early years under Ashley, there were those sort of extraordinary, tortured statements that would come out at the end of a season that would, you know, feel like they'd been written in a completely different language. And the fans forum forums that were set up, and you know, the idea of a fans forum is 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 great, and it's noble, and it's that idea of clubs communicating, you know, with their supporters, and they've become. They've become sort of a laughing stock. They've become so so tortuous. They've become laboured. Stuff has been redacted from them. It's been rewritten in a way again that takes away any sort of passion or humanity or care. And so they just become these sort of grey, lifeless documents. And you know the point. Is, it's like the club has been scared to talk. And. Clubs shouldn't be scared to talk, just like businesses shouldn't, just like, you know, just like institutions shouldn't. You have a conversation. You have a conversation with the people that you serve or that you work with, you know, who come and visit and all that. And if sometimes you get a bit of stick, okay, you get a bit of stick. But you answer honestly. You own up when you make mistakes and you try and do things differently. And, you know, again, last night showed that it is, absolutely possible to have a conversation with people who are having, holding all sorts of different views and you come away from it feeling uplifted about the people having the conversation and you feel uplifted about your football club and it is possible...
0: Just before we 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 throw Alex on that as well, I just wanted to to chime in slightly. Um, the, the fans forum that you mentioned, I was I was involved in that from when it started. I was actually the the non season ticket holding members representative, which is quite a mouthful. Um, but I was involved in those meetings uh, from the start, and I completely agree with what you're saying, George. The feeling in those meetings was always very defensive from the club. It was almost like when we were asking them questions, it was kind of like how why are you asking us this? You know, how dare you ask us this? Or why are you expecting an answer to this? It was very strange. The atmosphere early on was really, really weird. Um, and over the two years that I was involved in that, it never really got any better. The The club would dodge or they would give very straight back political answers to questions which were really valid. And that people had obviously spent a lot of time uh, on these questions and wanted to get the information. I mean, I, f- I found myself sitting at 11 o'clock at night Rewriting the wording for my questions to try and make it as as watertight as possible, so there wasn't a get out, an easy get out in the question. And I thought, why am I, why am I sitting doing this? You know, if I'm I'm going to go in there and Lee Charnley's just going to go straight, but um, we don't have anything to say about that at the moment, or or whatever. It was a really really strange vibe. But I was glad that I was involved in it. I think I was maybe as naive slightly to think that we could make a difference with the club. And I think on the face of it, looking back, it was very much a bit of lip service, really. I think the club kind of knew they had to do it, so they did it. Um, the one thing I will say, the way, is the day that it changed, or the day that it felt it changed, the meeting that changed the most was my last meeting, and it was Rafa his first meeting. He turned up uh, for the last half an hour of the meeting. The mood in the room was completely different and I don't know if that was just the raffer effect or if that was all of us fans being excited that he was there but the mood in the room was totally different and even the, 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 the guys on the club side of things Lee Marshall and Lee Chanley had big beaming smiles on their faces and I couldn't remember a time when Lee Charnley had ever smiled in one of those meetings <laughs> and that day he was smiling um, so yeah from my point of view I, I, I think it was maybe I don't know was, was it a waste of time did I did I waste my energy on that possibly maybe I did i don't know but i hope that we can have those conversations again going forward alex you've you've had a lot of dealings with the club over the years and you've been kind of at the forefront of those conversations how are you feeling about that at the moment
3: it, it's a very difficult question to answer because there's been there's been so much i mean so i'll give you I'll give you a bit, bit of background i took on uh, the chairmanship of the trust what in uh, in January 19 when we kind of relaunched the trust a little bit and, and immediately the club said to me we are really keen to talk to you we are really keen we, we they said all the right things we appreciate we've got things wrong and part of me felt brilliant this is a real chance to change things and part of me felt what what will actually change and after i have to say it, we're, more, we're a year on from that and although the trust has worked with the club to reformat the fans forum um, I still didn't achieve my objective of getting the board, the NUST board together with Lee Charney because traditionally the club wanted to have a relationship with just the chair. I didn't think that was fair on members. I didn't think it was fair on, on, on me particularly. Not that it was me they wanted to speak to, but what one person cannot represent 9,000 people or not very well anyway. Um, and, and the club kind of, you know, they agreed to everything. They said yes, yes, but it, but ultimately it didn't happen. You know, the fans forum. are, I was hugely critical of it. Um, I thought it was a tick box exercise for the club. I have no doubt that people went with the best of intentions like yourself who just yeah, wanted to you know, improve things. I think, I'll give you an example. Last year, there was a, the fans' forum was scheduled on a Monday night and then the, the Wolves game got moved on a Monday night. Now, in, in, the, in for me, in the real world, that gets changed to Tuesday <laughs> or Wednesday or Thursday. That forum meeting never took place. Never took place. And in fact, the last fans forum meeting last year took place in September. So September 18 was the only time that season. It, but it goes beyond, you know, I can sit here and criticise um, the, the format. It, it goes back to what George said. That, that You know, if, uh, even a good fans forum isn't an effective vehicle for, for communication with supporters. One of the things why, which might, it won't shock Chris or, or George or you, Taylor, but it might shock listeners is I picked up that the club are terrified of criticism, which seems mm-hmm. mental because of the things they've done but whenever yeah. you'd suggest doing something or whatever, whenever you'd say well it'd be great to get an explanation for this so I'd speak to someone in the club and I'd say well why have you done this and they'd give an explanation that I might not agree with but at least it was better than my Ashley's tra- trying to kill the club but if you create silence people fill that void which with quite understandably with their own truth and, and people at the club would say well you know we get criticised whatever and it's like yeah welcome welcome to modern life you know Taylor you get criticised on Twitter I get criticised I get criticised you know, it's it's part of life yeah, in our own businesses. Yeah, our own businesses. People criticize things I do, but I, but I know I'm doing it for the benefit of the business and I know it'll fix things. I'm not always right, by the way. I'm often wrong. But I'm able to justify those decisions. And when when, you, when it looks like you can't even be bothered to, to, to even justify... Great example at the minute, season ticket money still being taken from fans. I believe, I don't know if I'm 100% correct, we're the only club doing it. Only club. In the Premier League, and if if not if it's not just us, it's one or two others. I, I should have prepared better, but you've got what you've got for me right now. Um, <laughs> and like, what why why is that? Forget about the act of taking money from people at a time of crisis, in a time of record unemployment, in a time of record deaths in this country. Why are you taking money from supporters for next season when no one, not the football club, not Mike Ashley, not Lee Charney, not me, not you, no one knows when that season could be stopped, but we're paying for it. The, 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 that, that in itself to me is a disgrace. But the decision not to justify it, the decision to send out emails saying Rolando Aarons is playing FIFA and not and not address that key point. To me, it, it says everything you need to know about the corrupt people that run the club. The, the, they do not care what you think. They it, it's it's arrogant, it's condescending and it's nasty. Now now I might be wrong in my analysis of that but there's no one. There's no one stepped into that breach to tell me why the club is doing this, and it, I find it personally, personally offensive that my money is continuing to be taken by people who would own the club any longer. Will that money go to the people who who own the club currently? Will it go to the new people? There's just there's just no communication, and I've, we we have all sorts of ideas at the trust about the future. But uh, George and Chris and Taylor, you you've said it before. I've listened to your podcasts. There are loads of good people at Newcastle United now who are as passionate about the football club as me or anyone listening, but but there's this there's this culture of fear, and that has to come from the top. There's this culture of fear about saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, and you know I got I got asked by a, a journalist a couple of weeks ago to describe how Mike Ashley felt towards supporters, and if you look at the free season ticket offer, which by the way, you know it's free free, free football. It's it's like every argument, isn't it? There are there are pros and cons. I know people in, in Blyth where I work who, who you know, football is, is priced out for them. Even even buying tickets on an indiv- individual basis, 39 quid for the cheapest adult tickets in James' Park this season is too expensive for some people in society. So free football for me, brilliant. But you look at the reason why those season tickets were given away, it basically gave the message that everyone who walked away, you don't matter because you're replaceable. So we're not listening to you, we don't care. And, and I had conversations with Lee Charlie this year the record unfortunately I was desperate you know where we talked talking about the future relationship and, and I would always put to him that it was it was nonsensical to me that he hadn't spoken to Chris or George or, or the Chronicle um, or, or you know let's not even get on to fan media but those guys and just to say this is this is my vision for Newcastle United this is why we did this this is our side of the story and what I got back was will we get criticized either way and it's like that's bullshit you need to be better at your job if that's your response
1: you're right. You're right, Alex. But I mean, the thing. I mean, and if if that's what Lee Charlie said to you, he's also right because that it's because they've allowed it to get to this position. So if you have a position where you only speak in public once a season, or you know, twice a season, if we're if we're very lucky, then of course everything gets magnified and everything gets held up because you've got nothing else. You've got nothing else. And so the story, the story of the last thirteen years has been of this you know retreating to these sort of entrenched positions on either side and you can't break it down and you definitely can't break it down if you don't talk and if you don't treat the other side like adults like human beings and that's that's the club has failed 100 in that i mean i know and this is now going back years that when the club were releasing statements any kind of public statements they get passed from desk to desk to desk to desk to desk so that all all bits of humanity would get taken out of it. And so you'd be left with this dry statement. And, you know, whether it was about changing this stadium name, whether it was about that sort of stuff, you know, things that at, at one level, if the idea, for example, not to, you know, not to kind of reopen old wounds, but if the idea about changing the stadium name is is about bringing in more money and that that money might mean a new player next season. Let's have a conversation about that. Other clubs have done it. Let's have a conversation about it. See what we think. You know, let's talk about it. For some people, it's completely anathema. Completely get that. I'd probably be one of those people. But, you know, you have a conversation. And if you explain it and talk about it so it feels like we're all doing it together or we're all in it together, then that's, I'm not saying it's okay, but it makes it more okay. And if you then replicate that with absolutely everything you do, you talk, but you do it in an open way and in an adult way, you know then then that's the basis of having a human relationship it is the case, you know we see this we see this in other aspects of modern life when we deal with big companies about how they fail to treat their customers or their staff like human beings but it's just magnified at newcastle because it is so frigging terrible it's awful and it doesn't need to be like that you do not need to be frightened of talking to to your own customers if that's what we are to your own season ticket holders to people you know this is this is football it's a, it's supposed to be emotional it's about love it's irrational the whole thing is irrational we all turn up and watch these fellas kick a lump of plastic about for no good reason i mean it's idiotic the whole thing is idiotic but we have to buy into it because you know that's the whole point you know that is the whole point it it's and so if you have as your basis that these people are customers to be fleeced, it's going to go wrong. At some point, it's going to go wrong. If you have as your basis that these people are the most important at the club and that if we talk to them, like we're all in it together, like we all share this same passion, this same dream, the same vision, the same love, you'll get away with it. I mean, I'm inter- I'm interested to know from Alex, I realise this is very, very early days, but what a relationship, what a future relationship could look like between... Newcastle and the supporters trust, or Newcastle and fans in general. You know, I'm not necessarily trying to give a give away a negotiating hand or anything like that, or or a wish list. But I mean, surely that surely the the starting point is that we have to treat each other like like adults. Is that not is that the starting point as far as you're concerned?
3: I think that's a big part of it. The key thing for me is is that the new owners are able to communicate to to us in the fan base the reason why the football club exists for them. Because let, let's face it, uh, you know, the clip that you had earlier, you have to be a billionaire, you have to be backed by a billionaire to own a football club. That's fine. And I've got no issue um, with with football clubs, you know, making huge sums of money and being run sustainably and people paying themselves. Well, that, that is modern football. But when you, you know, all the things you just talked about there, George, when, when we we'll look at why does Newcastle United exist now or, or in whose interest is it run? It's very difficult for anyone to make any other case than it's it's run for the benefit of its wealthy benefactor to magnify his other businesses in the Premier League. So the key thing for us and what we would love to see is any time there's a major decision at the Football Club to be made. And, and let's be realistic about this. It can't be we'll have to run everything by the Sports trust. That's not realistic. But any time there's, there's something big to do, speak to us, speak to us. And it doesn't always have to be Amanda Stavely or whoever it is who runs the club devolve power to people within the football club and give them decision-making responsibilities. And my opinion of the club at the minute is, I use that word fear, you've got capable people there who've got good ideas but were terrified of doing anything in case the word from upstairs you know, came back to them. So let's talk, and you made you made a great point there, George, about um, stadium naming rights. If that is something the club want to go down in the future, and let's be clear, I don't have any information on that. I'm not saying they're going to do that before everyone kicks off. Like you say, let, let's 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 see how representatives of the fans who are elected democratically. Let's see how they feel about that. Is what what are the pitfalls? What are the positives? Let's have a conversation, like you say, George. Like adults, it's not a, it's not a PR campaign between fans and club. It's working together for the benefit of the supporters. Yeah. If the new people who buy the club make every single decision in the benefit of the supporters, the club will thrive. And that doesn't mean allowing supporters to run the club or you know any kind of silly ideals of 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 letting supporters you know make demands or anything like that that's not what it's about it's supposed to be a mutually beneficial relationship because if if you're the people who are buying the club supposedly you've got this region this part of the world with with hundreds of thousands of of fans in you've got tens of thousands of people who are ready to come back to your football club it's almost an open goal so communication is 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 the way to go about it. you can't get your message across Without working through fans, because fans are the, are the are the people who are going to be able to tell you what's good, what's bad, what's indifferent. Let's let's do it this way. Let's do it that way. Why have have you considered this? Here's a survey, and I, I go back to the the ticket debate, which is raging a little bit on social media at the minute, where people are saying if you've had a season ticket, should you get one? All this kind of stuff. I, I spoke to a member this morning who said, are you going to push this point of view? And I've I've, I've spoken about my answer, but that doesn't necessarily mean that supporters are always going to have a consensus. You might get, you know, 50-50 views. You might get three different 33% views. You, you know, it, it's important that the club speak to fans to understand how fans feel. You, you can't get a gauge of how supporters feel just by logging on social media, just by reading one fan site. It's, it's really important for the people who are buying the football club who aren't from the area or, or haven't grown up as Newcastle fans to, to engage with us to find out the best course of action for them so I've I've gone a very long way of saying that. Our, our ideal is that we are at the center, we are we are at the center as supporters of the decision-making process. Doesn't mean we're in charge or expect to be in charge. Doesn't mean we're we're going to be um arsey or kick off about being told no. But if, if they include supporters in everything they do moving forward, they can't fail, yeah. in my opinion. That's how important it is.
1: The really the really encouraging thing for me, and this is something that I've been sort of saving up really, but one of the people I spoke to or speak to on the on, on on the buying side say, refer to Newcastle as the last great uncut diamond in the Premier League. It just needs cutting and polishing, that the diamond has been there all along, but nobody has wanted to spend that final bit of effort, time and money to show that jewel in the best light. And the other thing, of course, is the support. You see the level of support where Newcastle is and think, wow, what could this be like if you give it something more? And now for me, you know, I kind of I get a shiver up my spine even just reading that out because that's how I see the club. And the idea of having the idea of having an ownership that 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 can see the club for what it can be and do see the support as not just being Something that looks great on television, not just being there that you know to, to to sell out the stadium, not that that's happened this season, but to actually think of of it as a living breathing part of the club that should be at the forefront, absolutely at the forefront is just is really exciting to me.
0: There's been a lot of noise this week about football restarting uh, and project restart, as it's called in the Premier League, and how they're going to approach this. Chris, I'll go to you first. Um, how are you? How are you feeling? What do you think about all of the different uh, the different information that's coming out at the moment with regards to project restart?
2: I mean, I'm still a little bit uncomfortable given the, the current situation with yeah. the coronavirus pandemic. I still think... I, I thought actually, to be fair, on Steve Parish, I thought his column over the weekend was very good and very balanced in terms of saying that if other industries are thinking about restarting, then why shouldn't football and other sports? And I can agree and I can see where he's coming from. I, I, I still struggle to comprehend in my mind how a contact sport could come back even within almost like its own biosphere, yeah. so soon. And the, the idea, and I'm sure that Alex and, and George are going to it even more, certainly Alex from a supporters point of view, the idea of, of supporters not being there for a long period of time really does jar with me. Not in the sense mm. that I think that's unavoidable. I'm not having to go to anyone at the Premier League. Public safety has to come first. But the fact that we are talking about neutral venues, we're talking about... Uh, having games behind closed doors potentially for months, if not years, until we can really get a vaccine for the coronavirus, and so Project Restart, I think it, it in itself, I haven't got a problem with them looking into it, but I haven't yet seen a solution which makes me think mm, that's okay because what we have to realise here is there is no there is no ideal from this. No, not everyone is going to be happy, and I think concessions have to be made in every sort of of sense of that. But just the fact that that the worry is to when. We can have football again in the the way that we think of football. Football is about the passion. Football is, for me is about the supporters. It sounds a cliche, but that is mm. if you haven't. Got, if, that that is why everyone turns up on a Saturday. That's why everyone reads what George and I write or what, whatever anyone else writes. That's why we all talk about it in the pub because we are fans. We want to see the football, and I, I mean I spoke to the the war flags lads uh, last week it was a year since the liverpool display on monday i think it was it was, it was the year anniversary and obviously they haven't been there this season because of the uh, they decided to leave after uh, rafa benitez what uh, wasn't kept on or left due to Maigashi and basically they they would be willing and, and desperate to come back under new ownership and yet they described it as a kick in the bollocks because they don't know if and when they can get back into grounds and do those displays and just this this just longing for people to have normality back and football part of that normality. As George said before, the people keep talking about the new normal. Unfortunately, I think that for the for the short to medium term we're gonna to have to get used to the fact that there will be a new normal in football and one that I think in some ways will feel pretty cooled.
1: I have to say it pretty much horrifies me really. Um I mean I'm incredibly uncomfortable with it for all manner of reasons. But I mean I think the biggest of all is, yeah, that we're in this middle middle of this Health crisis and the idea of kind of footballers and staff having to be tested and repeatedly tested before they can go on a pitch and, but I mean I think you know that that's one side of it. I understand that if this carries on for you know for months and if not longer, then we're going to have to find a way to, um, you know, to get to get sort of life going again. And football, I suppose, can't be separated from that. But for me, I mean, I don't miss you know I don't miss the theory of football i don't miss the tactics of football i don't miss watching west ham versus burnley on a tuesday night i genuinely couldn't give a toss about that i've thought about this a lot over the last few weeks what i miss is my friends i miss my family i miss that sense of communion i miss that sense of togetherness i miss the build up to a match i miss the smell of a saturday i miss the stadium getting full i miss how green the grass looks and i miss i mean i'm a You know. I'm not a fan anymore, in the sense that I'm a journalist, so I work on match days, but I miss that 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 memory of going to the pub after a game and calling the referee a wanker and the other side cheats and and all that. I miss <laughs> that. I miss that. That's what I miss, yeah. and the idea that that could happen um, with you know the idea that you remove people from that equation to me is absolute anathema because for me football is though is all of those things. It's not about four four two versus. Four, three, one, two, or anything—I don't care about that. It is about the experience, and it's about the occasion. And you know, that, to 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 sort of bring that argument back—I mean, that's one of the things that most gives me most concern about this season at Newcastle, where you've got ten thousand, up to ten thousand people who've kind of walked away. And you know, when that starts happening to a football club, I think that club really is in proper serious trouble. But for me, you know, it's that—it is that communion of people. it's that congregation of people and that's that one thing that we're not supposed to be doing at the moment which is sort of horrible and I you know I hate the idea of the sort of takeover I don't hate the idea of a takeover happening I hate the idea of a takeover happening and then the first game being in an empty stadium because I've thought for so long what that feeling will be like when Ashley is gone and we can all get together and just smile for one maybe it might just be for one game might just be for the first (laughs) one minute until Martin Dubravka Let's a goal in through his legs or whatever. Don't tell Charlotte that. Obviously, don't tell Charlotte um, you said that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, Alex. Please, please don't tell Charlotte I said that. Um, but but you know having you know that that's that's what I long for, and the idea that the idea it's suddenly behind closed doors in a neutral stadium with nobody there is just oh, it's pitiful.
3: I think the the football supporters association have been on this quite a lot, trying to represent supporters. Uh, it, it, it's got to come from the government, doesn't it? I think there's a lot of pressure placed on football clubs at the minute to make decisions, which are probably outside of their normal remit in terms of supporters and when can we get back. There's the financial... Cons- and it's boring, but there are, there's a huge financial consideration for clubs to, to complete the season and satisfy contractual clauses with, with the big broadcasters. And then you've kind of got the mental health of the nation. You, you know, you, you read these headlines that the government want football back even behind closed doors just to give us something to do apart from talk to each other about football um, and watch some of it so you know I'd love to see it back as soon as possible but but only when it's safe to do so and let's face it in George you're spot on with everything you say um, but it's you know if, if one person was to become ill or well or worse because they brought it back too early then then just wait. I know it's a boring answer, but I think I think the health's got to come first.
0: Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Anyway, boys, we're going to have to wrap things up there. We've been on for nearly an hour. It's been a lovely, lovely discussion. Thank you for, uh, for joining us, Alex. As always, it's lovely to hear your voice and keep us updated with how that beard's going, mate. I'm hoping at some point we might get a, a nice photo of that uh and that we can share online i'm sure it is absolutely
3: luxurious uh no, no shaving until the take goes through so get on the phone sounds george. good oh
1: my goodness it's gonna be massive robinson crusoe
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely all right thanks a lot anyway for listening george chris thank you for joining us again chris look after yourself mate take care likewise stay safe george as well try not to stress yourself out too much mate and try and uh, Try not to listen to the the noise too much on Twitter and just enjoy yourself, eh?
1: I feel like I need a catchphrase. Like Chris almost gave a look after yourself, stay safe. I think I need like a. I want to sign off catchphrase. What could that be? I'm cooler than let's you. Let's be careful. Ooh, <laughs> Thanks very much, be, everybody. Uh, Fuck off. <laughs> oh wow. Well, well, no, I think that's that's the that's a good ending. <laughs> It's, it's the last podcast we'll ever do, but fine. Yeah, probably. Anyway,
0: thanks very much from me uh, and from the lads. Thanks a lot for listening. And uh, stay safe. Look after yourselves. Uh, of course, if you get the chance, get yourself onto theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod, where at the moment you can get a 90-day free trial uh for your athletic subscription for all the best sports writing in the business please check that out look after yourselves boys have fun enjoy the rest of your week and we shall speak to you soon fingers crossed it is nearly cans time you never know it could be just round the corner take care bye bye